0: Some people think the Federal Reserve banks are U.S. government institutions. They are not. They are private credit monopolies which prey upon the people of the U.S. for the benefit of themselves and their foreign and domestic swindlers and rich and predatory money lenders. The sack of the United States by the Fed is the greatest crime in history. Every effort has been made by the Fed to conceal its powers, but the truth is the Fed has usurped the government. It controls everything here, and it controls all our foreign relations. It makes and breaks government's at will what you had heard was a quote from a congressperson named uh lewis thomas mcfadden welcome to a new episode of against the fed i am your host victor e cooper This is part two of an absurd banking system. Um, I think I ended with uh, the discussion of the American Revolution somewhat and the uh, establishment of... the. I didn't talk about the establishment of the banking system, of the first central bank. I did talk about money... Of uh, what money is, which is a dollar is rather 17 uh, uh, per 17 Coinage Act 1792. A $1 dollar is uh, 371.25 grains of silver, pure silver, 417 grains of standard silver. Now, the reason why I harp on that is to define what a dollar is. to show the intentions of this usurping government <laughs> i can't help myself <laughs> okay uh this government usurped this land and it's been and this particular government had been usurped by some bankers go figure The reason why I harp on telling people what a dollar is is to show you that the dollar that had been defined, it had been defined. Gold, silver, copper is supposed to be money, but we are uh, using so-called paper money is made out of cotton and linen and our uh, coins are made out of zinc. Go figure. What an insult. What an insult. So we are working for this middleman called the banker to receive linen and copper and zinc and we're using that as money. Right? We're using that as money linen linen and copper paper and zinc and if it uh if it's a penny I think it's like five percent copper or some type of copper overlay over the pennies and uh God knows what else <laughs> the the silver coin so called silver in color only we're using zinc. Why is gold and silver so valuable? I want to just touch on that a bit before I discuss uh, more on the uh, banking. Uh, I want to talk. also uh, mention the establishment of the First Central Bank, which is a a bank of 1792. But why is um, gold and silver so so valuable? Why does it have intrinsic value? Why is gold more valuable than silver? Why is silver more valuable than, than, than copper? Why is copper more valuable than zinc? What are the key characteristics to quality that gives it gives it in its intrinsic value as it has been said? Is it because of its durability? Is it because of uh, gold looks prettier than silver? Some may feel that silver looks prettier than gold. Right. What is that key characteristic that define the value of gold versus silver, silver versus copper, copper versus zinc? What is that key characteristic? And why do I Always mention, if you listen to me when I'm talking about what a dollar is, I always say it's 371.25 cranes of silver. I sound like a broken record. Why I keep mentioning that? The reason is UCC. Now, your court systems do not belong to you, America. Your court system belongs to the corporation. They ain't going to pay it fair you know they're not. You can come. You can stand in court with the truth, and they don't give a rat's ass. They gon' they going to support the status quo, right? You remember the Bush election? Bush stole the election. Who did the court? <laughs> the court gave it to Bush. Bush Jr. Look at what Donald Trump is going through. We're powerless. Seemingly. Seemingly we're powerless. Why is gold more valuable? What is that key characteristic? I'm going to tell you what that key characteristic is in my point of view. It's called scarcity. There is less gold in circulation or I should say, less gold extracted out of the soil in the world than there is silver. There's Mm -hmm. less silver extracted in the world than there is copper. I mean, there's goo gobbles of copper in the world. And to my knowledge, copper and zinc are equally in, uh, in tonnage, I think. But I think um, copper has a better electrical conductivity than zinc. But uh, I think they're. I think copper polarizes zinc. You can use copper on one end of a battery, then use zinc on the other, and you got you know with some of the you can create a battery. Take a, a zinc nail and take a copper nail and stick it in a lemon. You can you just you just made a battery. Not very high in wattage, not very high in voltage, but you get you do have some electric, electrical conductivity out of that lemon battery. But I digress. Scarcity. If I got the last banana in the world, huh? and everybody is hungry, I can charge whatever I like. Huh? I got you because I got the last banana the Jews had cornered the market in gold at one time they controlled the majority of the gold and if you listen excuse me if you look into history a, a bit and, and study something called the court factor or the court Jew The court factor of the court Jew was the money lender to monarchs. One court factor, and I um, had published it on my YouTube channel, was Oppenheimer. The Rothschild was a protege of of Oppenheimer. Uh, I think Mary Amshel Rothschild, the Rothschild, was uh, uh, the uh, student of Oppenheimer? I think this is the guy. His name was Samuel Oppenheimer, and, uh, and that's how the Rothschild got into business of money lending. But the key uh, turning point in history, or catalyst that uh, catapulted the Jews—and I'm not picking with Jews—these Ashkenazi Jews uh, into money lending is. Because of the Catholic Church during the medieval period, the Catholic Church had outlawed, you know, the Catholic Church was running the known world over there in Europe, Holy Roman Empire. The Catholic Church for about a thousand years had uh, outlawed usury, but the Jews were subject to that law, only the Catholics only the Christians so that catapulted the Jews into money lending because they didn't have any other skills if they did we you know we didn't know about it <laughs> it's not you know I don't find it. you know they know how to the uh, bookkeeping system came from Jews obviously. Should be obvious. I mean, you know, quite naturally, I should say. Maybe not obvious, but naturally. Bookkeeping, debits and credits and worksheets and journals and and I studied accounting in high school and college. So I know how to read financial papers. I understand debt to equity. Huh? But banking. They didn't teach us banking in school, and for good reason. They didn't teach us fractional reserve, right? Lending, fractional reserve lending. They didn't teach us that in school, and for good reason. Scarcity. So uh, during, and, you know, I really want to talk, well, I'm just quickly mention okay uh seventeen ninety two uh the first central bank was set up uh which was uh controlled by uh foreigners eighty percent of that banking system of that central bank the first bank of the united states was owned by eighty percent of it was owned by foreigners and I dare not say the name Rothschild, amongst other European bankers, to international bankers, right? And they had received a 20-year charter. So by 1812, the charter elapsed, and you can find this on the internet, whether this quote is true or not, or spurious, I do not know. But I, I, you know, I find it interesting that Nathan Rothschild said, if the United States do not renew this charter, they will find themselves in the most disastrous war. Remember the war of 1812? And I think it was, uh, I forget the president that renewed the charter. Uh, I can't think of his name. Uh, 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 James Madison, I believe. Had renewed the charter. And by 1836, uh, when it expired, he had Andrew Jackson as president of the United States. And Andrew Jackson was the only president that uh, paid off the national debt. Only president uh, out of all presidents of the United States. He's the only one. Well, they was dealing with real money, gold, silver, copper. And by 1836, Andrew Jackson did not renew that charter. And unfortunately, America went into a uh, a depression. You had something called Wildcat Banking from 1836 all the way to 1913. Okay? 1913. The establishment... of the Federal Reserve Banking System. Promulgated by Woodrow Wilson. At one time, I was really hating that guy, but I read his book, A New Freedom, and called for the emancipation of generous energies of of a people. After reading that book, I have an entirely different view of Mr. Honorable President Woodrow Wilson. It still took me a bit to say. <laughs> it t- took a little bit of the struggle to say, "Call it honorable." But after reading that book, I, it, it, it was an eye opener. Andrew Jackson referred to the central bank, that second central bank, called it for, uh, the second United St- uh, sec- second bank of the United States. Uh, it was a central bank. Uh, he called it the den of thieves. And Andrew Jackson, on his debate, he said, "I killed the bank." Huh? He didn't really want to renew that uh, that charter. He knew it was going to injure the people, but he uh, uh, injured the, uh, the masses of people. He knew it. He said, I would rather go this route than to let these people be in control and send us into deeper debt slavery. And so, I'm paraphrasing him, but that was his mindset. He did a good thing, in my opinion. The land was controlled by the people. For the most part, so from about eighteen thirty-six to nineteen thirteen, there was something called wildcat banking. Uh, uh, the banks was uh, promulgated by a state by the state, right? There's free banking there. A lot of fraud going on, but it, it, if if the people were using common sense, you just till the land. You don't need you don't need no banker. You don't need money. Your money is the your money is the corn. Your money is the bean. Your money is the wheat. To my knowledge, uh ta there was no income tax from the exception of this government to all the way to nineteen thirteen. The government was funded by uh, Uh, tariffs right was funded by tariffs until the devil came unfortunately uh, Woodrow Wilson opened up Pandora's box but if you read this book A New Freedom you have a different view if you were a hater of Woodrow Wilson like myself you read that book you have a different entirely view. In his book, he, and I'm paraphrasing him, I'm, I'm being general a bit, you know, this is a, uh, an episode on the podcast. I can't go into deep history. But just generally speaking, he said this government had already been taken over by the bankers, by the corporations. So it was a, a financial coup d'etat. And Woodrow Wilson would not have signed that, that bill, that Federal Reserve I hate to think of what had happened to him. He probably would have been poisoned. Don't tell him what would have happened to Woodrow Wilson. But he was essentially crying. He was essentially saying, oh, well." he was like Jeremiah. He was like Jeremiah. Huh? Of the Bible. Crying. Lamentations, brother. Brothers and sisters. From, from the inception of this usurping government until about 1913, this usurping government that took over my ancestors' land, they were funded by tariffs. Right? The people weren't taxed. They weren't paying property tax. They had the land. They had the land. So the, the finer details of what was going on uh, how our my ancestors lost their land you know it's another episode had to dig deep into that history but we, you were basically free till about 1913 so here come uh the Federal Reserve banking system was yet using gold silver I think it was more so gold now from about 18 uh the late 1800s, the Gilded Age, the Robert Baron Age, that was a very deep turning point in America's financial history. When I when I speak of America, uh, I somewhat exclude the government. I'm really talking about the uh, the common folk. What was going on with the common folk? Uh, J, you hit the rise of J.P. Morgan. Around 1873, that's during the Gilded Age, uh, silver was demonetized, right? Now, remember what I said about scarcity. There is less gold in circulation than silver, and the farmers needed their silver to meet their debt obligations. During the late 1800s, during the Gilded Age, and they lost their farms. Guess who got the farms? One man's loss is another man's gain. Think about uh, the collapse. Think about the depression of the 1930s. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. But one man's loss is another man's gain, right? So the farmers couldn't meet their debt obligation because this so-called government had demonetized silver. So the money supply, the total amount of currency, total quantity of currency in, this, in the public's hand at a given point in time, the money supply had co- contracted. Guess who was holding the gold? Because gold was the money. Guess who was holding the gold? Huh? during 1873 the gilded age right who was holding the gold it was the international bankers for the most part the Europeans huh economic warfare baby Economic warfare. People looking to uh, to become rich with money when they should have just held on to the land, and said, fuck that gold, fuck that silver. I ain't paying shit to the bank, to the government. I'm going to work this land. I'm going to live off the land. hell with it. I can't pay something that I don't have. I, you know, But, you know, it's sad to say, you know, <laughs> those foreigners lost their land. This is during the uh, the period where the Homestead Act, I believe, I gotta look into that. Martin Luther King talked about that Homestead Act. That these foreigners was given land, given land patents, land, grants. They were just given land. My land was my ancestors' land was given to these Europeans. Given to them. But they lost it. <laughs> Talk about karma, baby. That's karma. In my view, that's karma. You're going to come here and take somebody else's stuff? And look at what's going on now in 2024. Look at all these foreigners coming over here. They just coming to slavery. That's all you coming to. Uh, Pakistanians and Iranians and Ukrainians. You're coming to slavery, the land of opportunity. You are not the opportunist. The opportunist is already established. You come here to get used. So what you got a 7-Eleven? Huh? So what? You're a slave. You don't make money out of thin air like these bankers do. You at the behest of a central bank based on Karl Marxism. Communist manifesto. Just because the state government is not creating the money out of thin air doesn't mean it's not Marxism. It's just a hybrid form of what Karl Marx env- env- envisioned. Right? Look at, look at all the laws that bind us. Huh? There was no income tax until 1913. And it got even worse after that. It got even After that More to discuss Maybe So Maybe No This concludes another episode of Against the Fed. I'm your host, Victor E. Cooper.